Welcome to Grace Church's podcast. Thank you for joining us. The following episode was recorded live during our Sunday service. Sermon notes can be found online at grace417.com. This morning, I am, I'm, I'm preaching a sermon on identity and destiny. Identity and destiny. Can you say those two words with me on the count of three? One, two, three. Identity, destiny. One more time. Identity, and destiny. And so if you will turn in your Bibles to Judges chapter 13, uh, we're going to, and you will, like, you're going to really need to today, because we're going to cover the whole chapter of Judges 13. So you get your paper Bible out, or if you want to get your electronic Bible out, if you don't have our app, you can download it, Grace 417, on the app or the, or the store, and, and uh, you can download that, and we'll have, um, you can pick your uh, translation out and read the Bible. Um, also, or you can just find one online. I'm using the NIV version, and a reason I'm letting you, we're just, we're going, today's going to be a little bit different of a sermon. Um, I'm just, I'm going verse by verse and just talking about the whole chapter, and so it really, it's like way too many verses to put it on a slot, on slides, and, and so it'll just, you'll be able to, if you follow along, it'll be, it'll, trust me, it'll be a whole lot easier on you. So one of the things that our family uh, likes to do when we go traveling is we like to play games. We like to play games in the car, uh, you know, 20 questions, uh, games like that. And one game that we play is called the Bible game. And uh, the Bible game is you have to guess different characters in the Bible. And so, um, you know, somebody will say something like, I'm thinking of somebody in the Bible. I know, right? Yeah, that's a good clue, isn't it? And then so you'll take turns and somebody will say, "Um, is it something like that? Is it Isaac's father? And so the way you have to respond to that is, no, it is not Abraham. So you have to know. So you have to be careful who you pick, because if you pick somebody too hard, they're going to ask you questions which you don't know the answer to, right? And then you lose, and the other person wins, and they get to pick. So it's a fun game, and it helps you with your Bible memory and character memory, and, and uh, Heather always wins, right? I have the advanced theological degree, but Heather always wins the Bible game in our car. But I can tell you there's one name that has never been picked, and it's the name Manoah. Have you ever heard of the name Manoah, right? Well, if you did your reading homework of Judges 13 this week, you'll remember it. But other than that, like the name Manoah, you're like, Manoah? Manoah who, right? Who's, who's Manoah? In fact, I don't, I don't think I've ever heard a sermon on Manoah, at least not a sermon I remember. And, and, I just, I, and Manoah is Samson's dad. All right, and I've never, I've never heard a sermon on him. I've never just really thought much about him at all. In fact, as I was preparing, I, I probably, honestly, would have just skipped over Manoah, except for the fact that a, a, an acquaintance of mine who pastors here in Springfield, he's a web designer as well. He is, a, in fact, he built our church's website. He, uh, I, I've been interacting with him. I was talking to him, and I was doing some online research on Samson. And as I was looking up Samson, I actually, a Google search, pulled up a book that is not yet released that he's written uh, that's about to be released. And so I emailed him. I said, hey, that's awesome. Congratulations. I'm, I'm, I'm preaching on Samson right now, and that's, that's great. There's not much out there on Samson, so uh, thanks for writing this. And so he sent me the PDF of the manuscript. And so as I was able to read that this week, he talked in the book some about Manoah. And so it caused me to really stop and reflect and think. Uh, about this man in the Bible who we don't really know a lot about, and it's not, it's, it's not easy to, 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 to preach 
because it, the outline doesn't, the, of the story doesn't lay well for an outline, so we're just going to go just verse by verse and talk about Manoah this morning. But what Manoah teaches us about is about identity and destiny. Identity and destiny. And uh, we see this in the story. So we're going to pick up Judges chapter 13. We're in a series called Broken Heroes. We're looking at the judges or the leaders uh, that God raised up in the life of Israel. And, and we see this, this pattern that goes over and over and over and over uh, in regard to the nation of Israel, especially in this time where they were, the Bible says that each one was doing as they saw fit in their own eyes. And what this led them to was once again, Judges 13.1, and again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. And we just see this cycle over and over and over. And, and as we walk through this week by week, it'd be real easy to just be like, man, don't they ever get it? Right? Can't they ever get it? But we have to be careful because when we're pointing a finger at them, there's like three pointing back at us, isn't there? That, uh, that we sometimes see the very same patterns in our own life. And, and so here we go at verse 2. It says, a certain man of Zorah, that was the town in which he lived, named Manoah. From the clan of the Danites, that was his clan, that was his family, had a wife who was childless and unable to give birth. So that's important. Okay, that's an important, important part of the story. There was a huge stigma and discrimination against ladies who were childless in ancient culture. And it was always the wife's fault. Notice it was her in this story who's childless, not him, right? It's always the woman's fault. Boy, that was a good place for an amen. Or, but, but you men are too wise to ever say amen. It's something like a sentence. It's always the, the wife's fault. But they would have been outcast. They would have been ostracized. They would have been marginalized. Probably there would have been superstition that you wouldn't want to get too close. You wouldn't want to hang out with them too much because that unluckiness, whatever it was in that person and her that caused her to not be able to have a child, sure wouldn't want that to rub off on me and, and impact my future must be the judgment of God on her. She must have done something wrong. She was disadvantaged in life. That was her position. And it's an important part of the story. It's an important part of the story because it's so interesting who it is that the angel appeared to. Verse 3, the angel Lord appeared to her, appeared to her, catch this, this is important, appeared to her and said, you are barren and childless, but you're about to become pregnant and give birth to a son. It spoke to the reality of her situation, but the truth of what God was about to do in her life. It's a key point. Because the chapter starts talking about Manoah. He wanted to be in this story. And you'll see this play out. But the main character in this first part of the, this first act of the story of Samson is actually Samson's mother. Which is really interesting, she's not even named in Scripture. We don't know her name, we don't know about her, we don't really know anything, yet she is the one whom the angel of the Lord visits. God noticed her. We don't know her name, we don't know much about her, but God knew her, and God visited her. And that's important, it's, it's significant. Notice, she's in some good company. She's in company with Sarah, Abraham's wife who was barren, and yet the Lord visited her. Hannah, Samuel's mom, who was disadvantaged as well, and the Lord noticed her 
and came to her. Uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, who is not yet married, the Holy Spirit came upon her. An angel appeared. Caught all three of those ladies totally off guard. And here, in this story, catches Samson's mom, the wife of Manoah, off guard. Totally just shows up randomly. Still unknown to us who she is. Which causes me to ask the question, would I rather be known by man or by God? And right, the answer is God, right? That God would know who I am. That He would know my situation. That He would know where I am. And maybe you've felt that way before. Maybe you've felt like Samson's mom, like Manoah's wife, overlooked, forgotten. Does anybody even know? Does anybody even know? But yet God shows up and he reveals his, her identity and who she is and her destiny and what God wants to do in her life. And, and, it, and, it's, and it's fascinating. It's truly fascinating because she becomes the focus. You'll see what I'm talking about in just a second. So verse 4. Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink and that you do not eat anything unclean. You will become pregnant and have a son whose head is to never be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite dedicated to God from the womb. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Now last week I spent all morning talking about this vow uh, talking about the limitations of this vow, and, and uh, uh, talking about how the limitations that we find ourselves in, in in life, God can actually do those, do some of the greatest work, that we can actually experience the most joy, the most fulfillment of what God wants to do in our life, actually, when we begin to embrace the limitations that He has for us. One example of a limitation in my life is the fact that I'm married been married for a couple of decades, and, and that's actually one of the greatest limitations in my, in my life, that all of my love is dedicated to Heather, that, that we have become one flesh, that, that I only have highs for her. That's it. But I can tell you that the greatest source of limitation in my life is the greatest source of joy in my life, that in that limitation is complete freedom to be who we have been called to be, to be myself. Because we vowed we're always there for each other. We've, we've limited ourselves to each other. Therefore, I don't have to carry false pretense. I don't have to pretend like I'm somebody that I'm not to get her to still like me. Right? Because she's stuck with me forever. <laughs> Until death do us part, right? But the greatest limitation or the great, greatest source of joy in my life there's a study done with elementary age kids, and there's a playground with, with just play equipment. That was it. No exterior fence at all, but just play equipment. And they, they documented these kids, and it was amazing how close to the play equipment they stayed. And these researchers then put up a perimeter fence, and as soon as the perimeter fence went up, the kids scattered. And they filled up the whole area. And were able to have much more freedom because of the limitation. And so often we, we see limitation in our life. We see those things that aren't that we wish that they were. And we see it as restrictive. But I'm here to tell you, if you have God's perspective on it, it's not restricted at all. That's the playground he's given you. And we need to make the very, very most of it. So here we find Manoah's wife 
just in the, in, in the, in the, in the middle of, of, of what's going on, of this angelic being that comes to visit her. And so she does what, what, what any wife would do. I mean, she's so excited. Verse 6, then the woman went to her husband and said, Honey, Manoah, a man of God came to me, and he looked like an angel of God. He was awesome. Like, it was amazing. I don't even have words to describe it. I didn't ask him where he came from. It's like she was already, like, she knew her husband so well, she already knew what he was going to ask, right? She was already answering his questions before he got I don't know where he came from. He, he didn't tell me his name, but this is what he said to me. You'll become pregnant and have a son. Now then, drink no wine or other fermented drink. Do not eat anything unclean, because the boy will be a Nazarite of God from the womb until the day of his death. And so she tells her husband, the details. And I don't know if this is significant or not, but one thing I noticed when, when I read it is that she, she, she leaves out the detail of no razor to the head. And yet she says he'll be a Nazarite from the womb until the day of his death. That's actually the, the, the angel didn't include that part. At least we don't have that recorded until the day of his death. So I just, just one of those drive-by notices. I just noticed that she didn't mention the razor, but mentioned mentioned his death, and his death became because he cut his hair. Just find, I just find that interesting. Moving right along. Verse 8. Okay, this is where the story gets good, okay? This is where everything pivots. Everything up to this point has just been a setup, okay? This is where it gets really good. Verse 8. Then Manoah prayed to the Lord. Pardon me, Lord. Excuse me, Lord. I beg you to let the man of God... You sent to us, come again and teach us how to bring up the boy who is to be born. Do you guys notice the pronoun us? Where is us in the story? Right? Did the angel go to them? No. The angel went to her. Pardon me, Lord. I beg you, let the man of God who you sent to us come again and teach us how to bring up the boy who is to be born. See, Manoah's ticked off here. He's ticked off because he's left out of the story. He's totally sidelined. He has nothing to do with this. God has shown up through an angel and has imparted a prophetic word, is doing a miraculous work in his wife. And he's left out of the story. And he's upset. And so he says, hey, God... I want in on this. I want in on this story. I want a part of this. I've been left out. Because what Manoah is struggling with is with his identity and with his destiny. He struggled with his identity and his destiny. And you know what? We do too, don't we? We do too. And here's the rub. This is what I don't like about the story is that I find myself like Manoah at times. Because basically his prayer is, but God... What about me? But God, what about me? I see you're doing something great over there, right? I see on Facebook how you're blessing this family. God, I see on Instagram how they're having a good time. Everything in their family seems to be wonderful. Why did they have all the talents? Why did they have all the giftings? Why did they have all the money? What about me, God? What about my life? What, what have I done wrong? What's, 
What about me? We begin to question our identity. We begin to question our our destiny, what God has called us to be and what God has called us to do. And, and yeah, it's, it's, it's good. It's good to want to be a part of what God's doing. But what he, were, he was trying to do is to try to get God to be a part of, of him. Not him aligned with God's purposes, but God aligned with his purposes, with his desires, with his wishes of what he wanted. And it gets really, really dangerous. Manoah wanted to not be in the peripheral part of God's story, but he wanted to be the center of God's story. What would have been wrong with him just celebrating with his wife what happened? What would have been wrong with him just receiving the word? Like, of just, thank you, Lord. Thank you for that. And just taking her to her word and believing and just walking in that. that that's, what, that's what could have happened. That's what should have happened. Okay, continuing in verse 9. Now, God heard Manoah. And the angel Lord came again to the woman while she was out in the field. But the husband Manoah is not with her. Like, insult to injury, right? Like, God shows up, talks to the lady first, and then Manoah goes, oh, God, when are you going to visit us? When are you going to tell us to do? And we need both in on this, right? And so God goes to her again. I love it. Like, it's hilarious. Insult to injury. It's, it's, he's like rubbing it in, right? You see, I mean, this is an obscure passage, isn't it? And if you're like me, when you come across obscure passages, like, it's easy just to, like, skim over them, isn't it? And just keep going, go, I don't understand this. Flip the page, right? But when we really just slow down and really study and look at the Word of God, it's amazing. It's amazing what it, what it says. So verse 10. So the woman hurried to her husband. He's here. He's back. The man who appeared to me the other day. So Manoah got up. I just think that's interesting. He was seated. I just... He was in his recliner, and, and, and he got up out of his lazy boy, and he followed his wife. And when he came to the man, he said, are you the man who talked to my wife? Right now, we don't know the exact tone that he used, but, but you'll see through here, it's, it's loaded. Are you the man who talked to my wife? I just love what he says. I am. That's it. That's all he says, right? I am. Manoah so bad wants to get in on this story. He so bad wants to be involved, wants to be the center of what's going on. Can't you just hear the self-importance of Manoah? He's trying to authenticate the messenger here. So Manoah asked him, well, because he had to ask him another question. He wasn't volunteering any information. When your words are fulfilled, what is to be the rule that governs the boy's life and work? A couple of things here. When your words are fulfilled, I, I think there may have been some skepticism there. I think there may have been some skepticism. But then notice this. What is, the, what is to be the rule that governed the boy's life and work? See, not only was he saying, What's, what about me? He was trying to justify himself by what he would do. He was trying to turn it into action. What do I got to do to make this promise come true? What do I got to do? To make this promise come true. How I many you know you don't make promises come true? You don't do things to make promises come true. You receive promises. You believe promises. What do I have to do? The instructions already been given. He simply had to believe and receive. Yet he wanted to do something. He wanted to do something. 
All, his wife had simply received the instructions, the miraculous work of the Lord. She received it. She believed it. He was trying to do something. He was trying to get to center stage. All this activity, all this action that was, he was trying to create, all that was really needed was trust and receiving. You see, that's what happens when we come to this crossroads with our identity and destiny. We so often are, are we get our identity and our, 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 uh, who we are from what we do. Right? I mean, one of the first things we even ask often people is, what is it that you do? We're so tied into our identity being part of an action. And that was Manoah's hang-up. One of his hang-ups on his identity is that the value of what he could contribute was based on what he could do. Now, we're in Missouri, right? This is a show-me state. We're like doers, right? Like we want to see action. And so we could tend to struggle with this because we're hard-working people. And, but we got to be careful because our value doesn't come in our doing, it comes in our being and who we are, not what we do. I had a situation happen this week where a person introduced me to somebody else as, uh, they, they described me this way, that I, I, I pastor a little church on the south side of town. And, and have you ever, have you ever like, have you ever been in the kitchen or somewhere and, and somebody's broken a, a glass and a little piece of glass gets in your foot? And it's not like the end of the world. It's not like you have to go to ER, right? But it hurts. Like, oh, ow. And you got to, like, take time to, like, pull it out. Anybody? Just, I just have, we just break glasses in our house, right? So you have to pull that out. That's kind of what's like a piece of glass in my soul, right? And so my first thought is, well, we're not, officially, we're not really a little church. Because little church is defined by less than 75, which is the average church in size of America. And, you know, we have about... Sunday morning, like 250, 300, well, you know, about 400 in the church. We're, we're, we're medium church. We're medium church, yeah. <laughs> medium church. But I understand, you know, we're in the city of mega churches, right? So I understand how, you know, we could be a, defined as little, but, but that was a piece of glass in my soul. Because why does it even, why would it, why would it matter except that as much as good the Lord's done in my life, still a part of my identity is described by what I, I do. And if I pastor a little church, then that must mean I must have little contribution. Like there's something wrong with little churches. There's nothing wrong with little churches. But that there must be less than because of. Because that's a brokenness in me. Because I'm like Manoah. I want, in the, I want to be center stage of whatever God is God's doing, right? And so I'm so thankful the Lord let me feel that little piece of glass in my soul. I'm like, okay, Lord, thanks for showing me that. I needed that, Lord. My identity is in you, Lord, not what I do. It's in you, Lord, not what I do. And so, and so we see this in Manoah's life. We see this in the book of Galatians. The people of Galatia. Um, I'm going to read some of it to you. we got a few of these up on the screen. But he goes, I, I, this is out of the message. I love what Paul says to these folks. And there's a bunch of verses here. I'm going to try and go fast. So listen fast. He goes, you crazy Galatians. Don't you just love Paul? You crazy Galatians. Somebody put a hex on you, put a curse on you. Have you taken lease of your senses? Have you lost your mind? Something crazy's happened. For it's obvious that you no longer have the crucified Jesus in clear focus in your lives. His sacrifice on the cross was certainly set before you. It was clearly enough. He goes, let me ask you this question. How did your new life begin? 
Was it by your working your heads off to please God? Or was it by responding to God's message to you? Are you going to continue this craziness? And, and here we have, a, 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 we have verse 4 up here. For only crazy people would think that they could complete by their own efforts what was begun by God. That's what Manoah is trying to do. He's trying to complete. He's trying to help God out. What do we got to do, God? Make this happen. If you aren't smart enough or strong enough to begin this thing with God, how do you suppose you can perfect it? Did you go through the whole painful process for nothing? It's not yet a total loss, but it certainly will, will be if you keep this up. And then verse 5. Here we go. I think it's on the screen. Answer this question. Well, you should answer this question yourself today. Does the God who lavishly provides you with his own presence, his Holy Spirit, working things in your lives you could never do for yourselves, does he do these things because of your strenuous moral striving? I can do better. I can work harder. Or because you trust him to do them in you. It's the trust. It's the, tr- it's the receiving of what God has already done and what he's going to do. That's, that's where it's all found. So that's what happened with Abraham. Abraham believed and it became reality. Let's skip on to the, the next verse you have, Scott. It says, the person who lives in right relationship with God does it by embracing what God arranges for him. Doing things for God is the opposite of entering into what God does for you. So if that's true in our salvation, and I believe it is, 100%, that's what Paul says, and since it's true with the perfecting of who we are as people, I believe it's true as we discover our identity of who we are in Christ. It doesn't happen because we try harder, because we have moral, more moral striving. Our identity is found in receiving, being receiving what Christ has already done. And so it is, I believe, not only our identity, but our destiny what God has called you, who God has called you to be, and what God has called you to do is not something so much that we strive for to make happen, but it's something that we receive and we enter into by faith. I'm not talking passive, okay? Faith without works is dead, right? But faith comes first. And so it's receiving our identity from God if we are who he says he are. And it's destiny that we will do and we will become what he is arranging, how he's arranging our life. And and the best things are by surprise, aren't they? The best things in life, the best encounters that we have are when God surprises us, as he did the nameless lady in this story. So let's go back to the story. Because we all want to be in the story. We all want our lives to be significant and make a difference. But if we're not careful, we can begin to manipulate God. And we see that begin to happen in this story. So verse 13, the angel of the Lord answered, Your wife must do all that I have told her. She must not eat of anything that comes from the grapevine, nor drink wine, or fermented drink, or anything unclean. She must do everything I have commanded. He doesn't give him any more information than his wife had already given him. Like, I just love this tension going on in this conversation. You know he's getting frustrated. I already knew that, angel of God. I already knew that. Tell me something I don't know. So then Manoah says to the angel, verse 15, we would like for you to stay until, for dinner, we'll prepare a young goat for you. 
Hey, let's have a barbecue. Why don't you stick around, right? So if he would have really been interested in hospitality, he would have offered that at the beginning. He wasn't really wanting to have a barbecue with him. He wasn't really wanting to have dinner and fellowship and get to know him. He was trying to manipulate him. He was trying to get him to stay longer so he could get more information, so he could get in on the story. What do I need to do? Because my identity and my destiny is wrapped up in what I can control and what I can make happen. And I need, I need more help. I need more information with this. So we'd like you to stay to prepare a young goat. Verse 16, the angel Lord replied, replied, even though you detain me, I will not eat of your food. Man, he's just like laying it on him, isn't he? I'm not going to eat with you. But if you prepare a burnt offering to the Lord, because Manoah didn't realize it was the angel of the Lord, how often does the Lord want to do some things in our life, intervene, even though we're not the center of it, but yet we're around what God's doing, yet we don't even recognize it. We take it for granted. Oh, Lord, help us not do that. Because, see, when we don't get our way, we can be prone to manipulate even God. And that's what Manoah was trying. He wasn't being hospitable. He was trying to manipulate God. We've been, we've been, I've been guilty of the very same things. I said, how, how do you manipulate God? Well, have you ever used God to run from God? Have you ever used God to run from God? Use God to run from pain? Situation hurts, and so then God tells you to do something different because you don't want to deal with it? Oh, I know I'm not preaching to any of you guys. Have you ever created a lot of God activity in your life to avoid the difficult areas in your life that maybe God wants to change? Have you ever done God's work to satisfy yourself and not Him? Have you ever done things in the name of the Lord He's never even asked you to do? Have you ever prayed trying to get God to do your will instead of in prayer surrendering to His will? Yeah. Saying God told me something when more of the reality is I, I think God might have told me something. See, if we're not, we, we see Manoah in ourselves and we don't like it. Verse 17, then Manoah inquired of the Lord, of the angel of the Lord. So what is your name? So that we may honor you when your word comes true. Again, skepticism. I think he's, if your word, so what's your name? The reason it's important is because remember, they hadn't been serving the Lord. They didn't, they didn't have a relationship with him. They were pursuing the false gods around them. And so they tied worship to name. So if they knew the name of the God and this thing became true, then they could worship this God. And then, I mean, they'd hit the jackpot, baby, because there were a lot of gods out there that claimed a lot of things. But if this God were to do this, this miraculous birth, then, hey, we got the corner on God. I'm telling you, he, Lord, forgive us. We've all, we've all been Manoahs. So he replied, why do you ask my name? See, he's just exposing his motives. Why do you ask my name? It is beyond understanding. It's beyond understanding. It's wonderful. You couldn't even understand it. It's so great. I remember one time when, when Luke, my 15-year-old, 15-year-old was like five or six, we were talking about these complicated things of God, like Trinity, like eternity, like all just, you know, kids ask the hardest questions about God. And I was like, I don't know. And then he said this statement. He said, I'm sure, God, I, I'm sure glad I can't fully understand God. Because if I could fully understand God, he wouldn't be much of a God, would he? For a five or six-year-old. And I'm like, 
yeah, yeah. He's like, you couldn't even understand. His name is so great. The Manoah took a young goat to gather with the grain offering and sacrificed it on the rock to the Lord. And the Lord did an amazing thing while Manoah and his wife watched. And the flame ablaze from the altar toward heaven. And the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame. Seeing this, Manoah and his wife fell with their faces to the ground. And when the angel of the Lord did not show himself again to Manoah and his wife, he went up in the smoke. Manoah realized that it was the angel of the Lord. He's like, oh no. Verse 22, we are doomed to die. Again, it's all about him, isn't it? We've seen God. But she is the cool one, right? Like She's the one that, that understands the identity and destiny. But his wife assured him, you know, honey, if the Lord meant to kill us, he wouldn't have let us give an offering. He wouldn't have received our offering, nor shown us these things or told us these great things are to happen. So just settle down, Manoah. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. And then the woman, we, we don't know her name. Yet she knew her identity. She knew her destiny. This woman gave birth to a boy named Samson. He grew and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him where he lived. She understood her identity and her destiny, even though we don't know her name. See, the story of Manoah teaches us to receive rather than strive for who God wants us to become. That we could receive rather than strive to become who God wants us to become, our identity, and to do what God has called us to do. And so there's this obscure story here with Manoah. But I think if we'll stop this morning and and just reflect and just say, Lord, is there any Manoah in me? That kind of sounds like manure, doesn't it? <laughs> well, shoe fits, where right? If there's any Manoah, that's maybe that's Hebrew for manure, right? If there's any Manoah in me, Lord. If there's any Manoah in me, Lord, help me, help me, because I want my identity to be in you. I want my destiny to be in you. I don't want to strive trying to make stuff happen. Because guys, when I make stuff happen, I mess it up. Let me simply receive. Let me see where you're working. Let me see what you're doing, Lord. Let me see what you've already started. Even if I'm not the center of it, that's okay. Lord, you're working over here. Let me, let me, just, let me just be close to the miracle, Lord. Let me just be close to the miracle. Would you bow your head and close your eyes this morning? If you're here this morning, and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. I'm telling you, your identity, your destiny, your future can be secure in Him. Oh, all we have to do is receive. All we have to do is say yes. We don't have to strive. We don't have to make it happen. You'll never be good enough to be saved, ever. You'll never be good enough to come to Jesus. That's the point. The point is receiving what Jesus has already done and saying, yes, Jesus. If that's you and and you're here today and you'd say, Jay, I need to say yes to Jesus. I need to say yes. I need to turn my life over to him. I want my identity to be secured in him, my destiny to be secured in him. I want to receive the sacrificial work of Jesus on the cross, have forgiveness of sin, eternal life. I want to pray with you this morning. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Would you look up at me? I want want to pray for right where you are. 
I'm not going to ask you to get up. I just want to see you say yes to Jesus. I want to be able to pray for you. Anybody here, you'd say, that's, that's me, Jay. All right. Lord, thank you for this morning. Lord, thank you for this obscure passage, Lord. It helps us understand our identity and our destiny, Lord, is something in you to be received, Lord, not strived for. Lord, help us to recognize when you're working, Lord, and help us to just come alongside, Lord, and receive the work that you want to do in our lives, Lord. Lord, that you would bring deliverance through us. Lord, you brought deliverance, Lord, for the people of Israel through Manoah and his wife, Lord. Lord, we want to be people, Lord, you can bring deliverance through in Jesus' mighty name. Church, you say amen. We trust that this teaching made a difference in your life. If you would like more information on giving your life to Jesus, visit us on the web at grace417.com. Thank you for joining us, and we pray you have a blessed day.